Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. We have made it to Friday here on the Three Martini Lunch. And we very seriously thought about giving you three good martinis, all related to the first round of the NFL draft. But since that's not technically the point of the podcast, we are going to talk about politics uh, for the bulk of the of the podcast. But uh, we think our teams had a pretty good first round, which is not something we always say, Jim. Uh, although sometimes we think we did pretty well. I know you were excited originally about Sam Darnold a few years ago. Bears fans. A little more squeamish about Mitchell Trubisky because we gave up so much, and that turned out to be a huge, huge mistake. And uh, so yesterday it was quarterback time again for both of our teams. Uh, after Trevor Lawrence went to the Jags at uh, overall number one, you guys took Zach Wilson of BYU number two. Uh, the Bears ended up uh, trading up several places, gave up a first-round pick to do it, uh, to the Giants, and they took Justin Fields who, of course, I know very, very well from Ohio State and his destruction of Michigan uh, in that job. And then, of course, uh, the Jets also traded up at, uh, I think, at number 14 and took a, a very highly touted offensive lineman to help protect Zach Wilson. So, you know, drafting quarterbacks in the first round of the draft is always a little bit of a gamble, but I can tell you from my own experience from almost 40 years ago now that if you get the right BYU quarterback uh, in the first round, uh, he might get injured a lot, but he'll get you to a Super Bowl and win it for you. Uh, at the same time, uh, if Justin Fields can win the Bears a playoff game, he'll be the only Bears first round draft pick to win a playoff game since Jim McMahon other than Rex Grossman. So uh, this is uh, going to be quite the... Uh, the journey for both of our teams, but uh, I feel pretty good about this. I think when you go to a, an elite program, and I hate to say that, but it is like Ohio State that has uh, prepared Justin Fields pretty well for this, and uh, and and Zach Wilson got fantastic uh, reviews from just about everybody who knows what they're doing with the draft. So uh, before anybody's played a game, I think we've done pretty well. You know, Greg, the single most shocking thing you just said in all of that is that Rex Grossman was once a first-round pick. Yeah, no, I came out of last night feeling terrific, and that's not something I often feel. Uh, although, yeah, I did feel good about Sam Darnold, and I think I'd be very curious to see how he does in Carolina. What What is Sam Darnold like when he's not being held back by Adam Gase, uh, the worst coach, certainly in modern football, maybe in all time? Thankfully, in the off-seasons, uh, Adam Gase was fired from a rocket into the sun. And uh, he won't have to deal with that anymore. Uh, you guys, I, I, from where I sit, you guys should be very pleased with getting Justin Fields at 15. There's a lot of talk about the Jets possibly taking him. If everybody agrees that Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback out there in this draft, um, and I, th- I, th- I think he lives up to the hype, I do have this nagging fear or just kind of concern that if you're Trevor Lawrence, uh, I think somebody pointed out that his next game he loses in a regular season will be his first. Uh, he's completely undefeated in high school and he was undefeated in the regular season at Clemson. And I just kind of had this nagging doubt. This applies to a bunch of highly touted college quarterbacks. You go to a great program and your offensive line is better than the opposing defensive line. Your receivers are better than the other team's cornerbacks. Your overall skill, you're just part of a better program. Your coaches are better. You know, nine games out of 10, you're going to have the wind at your back and you're going to look really good. You know, I, no, none of this is meant to take away from Trevor Lawrence or for that matter, Zach Wilson. They don't pick the schedule. They don't, you know, they just kind of go out there and do the best they can. And both of them did excellently. 
and I get it probably applies to fields as well. The question is, you go to the NFL, and if you're drafted really high, you're generally being drafted by a team that's not that good. You're generally being drafted by a team that's among the very worst, and they very rarely turn around completely. So I do kind of wonder about these guys. What's it like when they go through their first three or four game losing streak? What's it like when they have their first game? Uh, you know, they go through a one in six stretch or something like that. Is a mental, I don't say even mental toughness, let's just say mental resiliency. That having been said, I believe um, uh, in that college football playoff game earlier this year, Greg, Justin Fields was hit by a train and it looked like it was going to have every, never mind, it would have broken a rib. It looks like his entire ribs would have shattered like an eggshell. And somehow he just got up and then threw a touchdown pass. <laughs> So you guys are getting physical toughness and mental toughness by the bucket load. Um, and it's hard to believe. You know, I, I think Justin Fields probably is one of the highest floors of all the quarterbacks in this draft. So he should feel good. And regarding Elijah Vera Tucker, the guard from um, uh, USC, largely considered the best guard in the draft. Greg, I, a couple of days ago on playlikeajet.com, this, this sports site that I write for on my spare time, I said the Jets should do this. And Greg, they actually did it. Wow. I've never felt so so invested in a, in a team decision as this time. So it's uh, here's hoping. Otherwise, I'm just as dumb as all the other idiots out there. Let us get to our first good martini, and that is that the economy grew by 6.4% in the first quarter. We'll get uh, unemployment numbers uh, for April next week, but uh, it was right around what economists were expecting. They're expecting 65 the fourth quarter of 2020 was 4.3, so it's 6.4. Consumer spending definitely uh, picked up in the uh, first quarter, 68.2% of the economy. Spending on, uh, on goods, durable goods, 41.4% increase due largely to stimulus checks and so forth, but uh, people just resuming normal life. So, Jim, we see this as a double-barreled good martini. We always like to see the economy expanding, regardless of who's in the White House. And secondly, if the economy is doing so great, Maybe we don't need to spend $6 trillion. Yeah, look, this is, you know, uh, you you will not see any rooting for failure or rooting for the country to suffer here at the Three Martini Lunch. You and I root for a good economy when our guys are in charge. We root for a good economy when our guys are not in charge. Would I prefer Republicans either had control or had some leverage over the federal policymaking process right now? Yes. But that having been said, I'd still rather see low unemployment than high unemployment, and I'd still rather see GDP growth skyrocketing or at least booming at a nice 6.4 you know seasonally adjusted annual rate uh like it did that's that's pretty darn good um but the other thing is i think you're right this the argument that scott's that really managed to get the, that first covid relief bill and so much of the spending that really has gone on since the pandemic hit uh, a little more than a year ago has been this sense of this is a crisis oh my god we've got to do this we've got to do this and look the unemployment did you know uh, shoot straight up as soon as the pandemic hit and the, the economy had to shut down. Uh, now, it really, by about April, May, June last year, you already started to see the turnaround. Uh, people started going a little bit back into stores, a little bit back into restaurants. You know, um, it was limited. It was you know, we, we're, we're not back to normal, but obviously things are get, you know getting closer and closer. We are now very close to where we were pre-pandemic. Then, in that case, we don't we're not spending the two trillion on infrastructure and the two trillion on the American. What's you know what American noun plan whatever you know the the other two big spending bills the administration <laughs> wants to do um, we're not doing that because we have to we're not doing it because it's a crisis we're doing it because we want to or at least the you know the Democrats in in Congress and the Biden administration want to do it I think this makes things a little bit tougher not just for the Joe Mansions of the world who've said they don't want to raise taxes quite so high and they may not be comfortable with all of the spending in it 
I think it makes it tougher for the Democrats to push this through. I think it makes it easier for Republicans to say, wait a minute, wait a minute, the economy is doing fine. Although we do have to worry about inflation because we're spending all this money. We just you know March, uh, May, 11, May 12th is when the next update in the consumer price index comes out. Last month was the highest in 10 years. We'll see you know, in about 12 days from now, whether, okay, it was just a one month fluke, nothing to worry about, or whoa, wait, we got two straight months of really big jumps in prices, we gotta worry about this, all right? So those are two factors that could really end up slowing down the momentum for these big spending bills for Democrats. Um, and so I think you know, good news is good news for us and good news is also makes it less urgent for the Democrats to try to get these spending bills through. Yeah, certainly with the price tags that they have, uh, you know, we'll see. What becomes of the Republican scaled down infrastructure bill? I think we both know what's going to happen with the Republican scaled down infrastructure bill. It's going to get thrown in the trash can. But uh, uh, we'll find out what Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema think. It's you know it's kind of what we do these days. But uh, you're right. Uh, we have good news to cheer. And when uh, things are headed in the right direction, let's not screw it up by taxing people and uh, making prices higher for everybody. But uh, will Democrats listen? Probably not. All right, Jim. Well, one thing we uh, are comfortable with is a growing economy. Another thing you can be comfortable with, my slippers from my pillow. They took two years to develop to ensure they are the highest in quality and comfort. I absolutely love these slippers. I wear them around the house all the time. Can't get enough of them. 40% off. You can get 40% off my slippers with the promo code martini at mypillow.com. My slippers are durable. You can wear them all day, indoors, outdoors, wherever you like. They have beautiful leather suede and cozy faux fur linings. And they're available in moccasin or slip-on style. They're available in a variety of colors. They have a 60-day money-back guarantee and a one-year limited warranty. They're so comfortable, these slippers. And why? They've got a three-tier cushioning system with the MyPillow patented fill, the same stuff in the pillows, the comfort memory foam, a patented impact gel made from American soybeans, by the way, uh, for a limited time. MyPillow is offering 40% off my slippers. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listeners square, enter the promo code MARTINI, or call 800-874-0104. Now, while you're there, you can take advantage of the deep discounts also on all MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream bedsheets, the MyPillow mattress topper, and the MyPillow towel sets. But you can only save that 40% on the new my slippers with the promo code MARTINI. Do it also when you call 800-874-0104, or, of course, at MyPillow.com today. All right, Jim, second good martini today, and that is that Joe Biden, I think, is on board with a full opening of schools five days a week for everybody come this fall. He's doing a, a bunch of interviews for his 100 days in office. One of them was with Craig Melvin of the Today Show for NBC. Uh, pretty straightforward question, pretty straightforward answer here. Kids in K-12 through schools obviously are not going to be able to, to get the vaccine by the fall. Should all schools in this country be open this fall for five-day-a-week five in-person learning regardless? Based on the science and the CDC, they should probably all be open. There's not overwhelming evidence that there's much of a transmission among these people, young people. Now, Jim, we've seen before that Biden uh, seemed to be headed in this direction, and then the teachers' unions kind of uh, jerked the steering wheel, and uh, he reversed course. Uh, the CDC had to reverse skate as well, so uh, who knows? But it, it's kind of hard to be touting, hey, we're beating this thing, but uh, four or five months from now, you still can't show up in school in person. So I think he's starting to see the the logic here that you got to get back into school, not only because the science says so, but it uh, is important for your narrative as well. 
Yeah, I, well, you know, it's kind of hard for him to argue. I, I've brought the country back to normalcy if the schools aren't open. Now, the good news is we've made pretty darn big strides. Uh, the last update they have on the AE, American Enterprise Institute's return to learn tracker is from April 19th. Probably we'll get another update in a couple of days. But right now, 47% of public school districts across the country are fully in person. 49% are in hybrid. This, you know, unfortunately, it doesn't give you a big sense of whether that's like one day a week, two days a week, or four days a week. And you know, from where I sit, that's a pretty significant difference. But we're only down to 4% of the country's schools that are entirely remote. Uh, now, obviously, I think that's a little more attention because a lot of the country's biggest cities, public school districts, are still in this all remote stage, uh, which is kind of ridiculous. So I, the, there are two things that kind of jump out of this. One is that this is a pretty clear line in the sand. Biden, I, I, much as Jen, by the way, it's Jen Psaki, apparently. Yes. And I've been calling her Jen Psaki. And the fan club on the National Review Plus Facebook page have not only noticed that, they have kept track of every word that I mispronounce. Um, <laughs> and it's just delightful to have listeners who are paying so much attention and who call my attention to every word. But, uh, that's just my New Jersey accent, if you're, if you're wondering. Um, the, but you know, the, the overall sense being that Jen Psaki would have a very hard time circling back and say, oh, actually, what Biden meant to say was something like that. I think there's now a really broad bipartisan national consensus. No, you've had plenty of time to get vaccinated. All, you know, most states made the vaccines available to, to teachers really early in the process, in some cases ahead of people who had health conditions and some senior citizens and stuff like that, you know, and, and groups like that. Everybody's got, everybody's got, um, a, a really, you know, access to them. It's not an excuse anymore. Uh, heck, by fall, they may very well have uh, vaccines available for kids, right? By the way, I can't help but notice, as I look at the ones that are fully remote, the, the other neat thing about this uh, uh, return to learn tracker from AEI, the, they, have, they do little dots for each school district and what their status is. And if you're looking for the, the purples of the, blue, of the fully remotes, they're in a couple of clusters. Uh, it will probably not surprise you that a whole bunch of them are in California. It will probably not surprise you that there's a couple around, looks like around Chicago or around uh, you know, some, of, some of the upper Midwest, uh, down by the border in Texas, um, and then sprinkled throughout the Northeast. If you want to see where you have the most full, uh, fully in person, surprise, surprise, start from about central Pennsylvania, all through Ohio, all through the Midwest, basically until you get to California. Uh, all the way down in Florida, it's all fully in person. Um, and then there's a whole bunch of yellows for the hybrids and, you know, all across the Northeast, all across the, the Midwest. So if you're looking about where like, it's pretty, pretty darn clear, the red States are pretty much open. The ones that are, most of the States are, are in, you have a whole bunch of hybrids. And it, if you want to see those places that are still fully remote, even at this date, even as of mid to late April, they are largely in the biggest countries in the country, in the biggest cities in the country. And again, I got to actually not, now that I'm seeing this, I'm curious about this little, uh, trend of them along that southern border in Texas. Anyway, you lay all that out. It's going to be really tough for the teachers' unions to insist. Oh no, we can't open in September. Uh, it's been they've been ridiculous for a really long time. It is going to be impossible for uh, an attempt to walk back from this uh, on the part of Biden. And I think, as we talked about in that that Virginia story earlier this week, the really big task for school districts now, besides you know, is assessing. Okay, how much ground did we lose? How much damage has been done and how do we, what's the best way to make up that damage? It might make sense to have a lot of kids in summer school. I, I, the kids may not want it and, you know, but, and, but it's one of those things where let's think, all right, 
And if that doesn't work, uh, what other things can we do to make up this ground? Because if, if distance learning worked for your kid, terrific. My sons were not doing that bad. They, they, they did fine. I just didn't think it was really the best way for them to learn stuff. And this is, um, but for a lot of, whole lot of kids, it didn't work at all. And particularly in this neck of the woods in Fairfax County, a lot of C students turned into D students. A lot of D students turned into F students. And that's what we really got to worry about here. And so hopefully this, you know, the, this statement from Biden, whether he knew what he was doing or not, is going to make it impossible for uh, teachers unions to drag their feet any longer. Well, eventually the pressure from the teachers unions, and we might be at this point already, is going to have to bow to political realities. Because as we've talked about last week in in context of Virginia and elsewhere, you've got parents in deep blue areas now. Unfortunately, that's kind of where we live in northern Virginia, but in other parts of the country as well are just fed up with this. uh, And it's going to end up reverberating uh, against Democrats if Democrats don't uh, start shaping up. And so it's not just going to be Virginia and New Jersey, which are headed statewide to statewide elections this year. But, uh, you know, the midterms aren't that far away. So uh, the Democrats definitely want to be showing that they are, you know, on top of this and, and, and making changes to get people back in school with enough time between then and the ballot box. So people think, oh, they got the, they got everybody back in school. OK. Instead of being absolutely outraged at them. Uh, I think that's a factor here, too. All right. Oh, by the way, uh, just an easy way to remember. Just remember, if Jen ever goes to Japan, she'll probably drink sake. Ah, well, I'll circle back with you on that, Greg. <laughs> my awareness of this, uh, of my mispronunciation um, is only for this today's podcast. I reserve the right to call her Jen Pisaki for the, the rest of the. <laughs> well, if you're really nice to her, she might make you cookies, too. Huh. Um, and anyway, let's talk about uh, headspace because, you know. You have your head spinning sometimes from Jen Psaki's press conferences and what's coming out of the Biden administration. But look, if you need a pocket-sized guide that can help you sleep, focus, act, just function better in general, uh, there is such a thing. And if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations and an easy-to-use app. And it's one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and more than 60 million downloads. Different hosts at Radio America have used Headspace. Uh, Our chief of operations says that uh, those that did uh, definitely thought that Headspace helped them, especially during the pandemic year, helped them sleep better, helped them stay focused. Uh, Definitely a plus in their life. Feel happier. Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash martini. That's headspace.com slash martini for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This really is the best deal they're offering these days so head to headspace.com slash martini today all right jim two goods and a crazy uh which is a pretty good deal for a friday and that doesn't even include the good martinis for the nfl draft but our crazy today comes from that same interview that biden did with craig melvin uh with nbc and the issue of course came up masks uh, we've now got uh, officially guidance from the cdc that vaccinated people together outside don't have to wear masks and i have some truth for Biden and the CDC, people vaccinated or not have been hanging out outside a very long time. That's pretty much how people interacted uh, as, as this whole thing unfolded for a number of months last year. But uh, Biden saying he will have it off at times outside, but he's giving very odd guidance here about uh, how he's going to act near other people uh, inside and outside. Listen. 
CDC guidance this week about outdoor mask wearing. Yeah. A lot of folks excited that they can now shed these masks if they've been double vaccinated. Um, are, are you going to be one of these folks now? Are we no longer going to see the president of the United States outside with the mask on? Sure, sure. I mean, but what I'm going to do, though, when, because the likelihood of my being able to be outside and people not come up to me is not very, very high. So it's like, look, you and I took our masks off when I came in because look at the distance we are. But if we were, in fact, sitting there talking to one another close, I'd have my mask on and I might you'd have a mask, even though we've both been vaccinated. And so it's, it's, it's a small precaution to take that has a profound impact. It's a patriotic responsibility, for God's sake. It's making sure that your wife, your children, your, if, you, if in, in fact they haven't been vaccinated, making sure that they're not going to get sick. So, Jim, just very confusing here. I mean, on the one hand, Biden is still talking about the need to socially distance inside between two fully vaccinated people. And uh, he seems to be backwards on the mask uh, argument as well, because uh, the argument that we've been hearing since Fauci decided that they were good uh, was that you need to wear them to protect other people from yourself. But if you're fully vaccinated and you're around unvaccinated people, he's saying that he's trying to protect them from himself. He's got it all wrong here. It's one thing if members of Congress are doing it. Uh, I just think the president of the United States having this kind of habit um, exhibits what is normal or what is expected to a whole bunch of other citizens who will take their signals from this. And the, the Biden, like, first of all, there was video floating around yesterday. Uh, Biden was at some event and apparently he lost, misplaced his mask and he's walking and he kind of recognized it and he stops and says, I lost my mask and he didn't look kind of, you know, it was not reassuring, looked confused, looked um, not quite panicked. I think that's kind of overstating, but like very, very worried that he didn't have his mask. And the thing is, you know, yeah, he's a 78 year old man. We got to worry about the health issues of 78 year old men, but by and like, Mr. President, you're vaccinated. Your, your body has the antibodies. Your body is as protected as it's going to get. That mask, really, the cloth masks, you know, and none of you, that's not going to make that much of a difference. It's not going to do anything for your body that the antibodies inside aren't going to already do for you. And the idea of two vaccinated people standing together and both wearing, one choosing to wear masks because of the danger, what, what danger? Where's the virus going to come from if both people are vaccinated? And I don't know if Biden realizes, I, I, I suspect that the, you know, be kind of mean to call them the neurosis crowd, but the, the folks who insist upon wearing masks, even post-vaccination, they don't realize how much they're sending the signal. The vaccine doesn't really do any good because if you if you if you still have to operate exactly the same way. Because remember, during the you know non-state of the union earlier this week, and not only was everybody wearing masks except for the president, everybody was staying more than six feet apart. Why? Why? You're all vaccinated, right? You do. This is our ticket back to normalcy. But there's this strange phenomenon of people who don't want, like who do that and who then say, oh, no, I'm not, you know, I'm not changing anything. I still feel worried. I think it was Joy Reid on MSNBC who said uh, uh, she still, you know, she went out jogging with double masks. Um, now, I'll, I'll you know, put it, 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 put aside all jokes about stuff. Like, why would you feel the need to get double masks when you're outside alone? <laughs> this is not like... Um, I'm trying to think like I'm, I'm trying to think of anything where uh, the the smilex gas from the 1989 batman movie where like it's floating <laughs> around in green clouds do you know why you might want to wear two masks pollen 
I don't know how things are in your neck of the woods, uh, America, but here in Northern Virginia, we are getting green crud all over everything. That's perfectly reasonable. If you said, oh, I'm not wearing the mask for the coronavirus, I'm wearing the mask for the pollen. Okay, that's fine with me. I totally understand that. <laughs> but in this case, I, I really, I, you know, and by the way, the fact that they're so insistent about this, look, we had all kinds of questions about Biden's health. And as far as we can tell, he's fine. Clearly, he was avoiding staying off. He stayed off the campaign trail during the uh, duration of the pandemic through most of 2020. I assume he's fine. He looked okay enough the other night in the uh, joint address to Congress. But if they're this adamant about him always having his mask on when he's around other people, even though he's fully vaccinated, I don't know, it kind of makes me wonder if there's something maybe that people are worried about, that his, his handlers, his doctors, he and Jill are worried about that is not part of the normal repertoire or concerns of a, a 78-year-old man. I just, I don't quite get what is doing this. And I believe it was Allah Pundit uh, over at Hot Air who observed, looked at a poll numbers and he observed people who are not vaccinated are more, get, are closer to their regular routines than people who are vaccinated. <laughs> it really should be the other way around. It does not make any sense, but it really what it is is the people who rushed out and got vaccinated, and by the way, good for you guys, are still walking around you know, by this, with this fear that something's going to happen and they're going to get it and they're going to you know, get really sick and be hospitalized or die or something like that. Whereas the people out there who were never that, who are not vaccinated and who are never that worried about the COVID-19 are now walking around saying, oh, it's fine. It's okay. Things are winding down. It, it's really, really infuriating. Well, you know why he did it. He just said, he just told you, Jim, it's your patriotic duty. Come on, man. Remember what he said? Just a hundred days, America. I'm not asking you to wear a mask forever. Yeah, never mind. Today's hundred days. <laughs> well, it's just some of these people, they have the power and they don't want to give up the power once they have it. I mean, Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan recently mandated masks for two to four-year-olds. And you've seen these situations. Yeah, that's on the air, problem. On air, darn toddlers. <laughs> yes. And you've seen these situations on airliners where the parents try to put their two-year-old in a mask and the two-year-old won't have it and they kick the whole family off. I mean, being reasonable has just been lost on some people. And uh, it's kind of like what I've said about the TSA in the past. You give people a little bit of power, they're going to push the envelope as far as they possibly can. So we'll see uh, how much this happens. We'll see if it keeps happening in just regular cold and flu seasons from here on out or, or what the deal will be. But I promise you uh, that some of these uh, governors that love the new power and mayors or whatever they are, uh, are going to keep pushing the envelope as long as they can possibly get away with it. Happy draft day number two, Jim. We'll see what we can do today. See you Monday, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus, Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Uh, please subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast. We're very grateful for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Uh, don't forget to find us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Also, follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great day. Have a great weekend. And please join us Monday for the next Three Martini Lunch. We are living in difficult times where people fear having thought-provoking conversations about pressing issues. And although we're in the midst of an information explosion, there are a lot of forces aiming to distort what's true. I created The Bill Walton Show to provide a forum for in-depth, thought-provoking conversations with leaders, artists, entrepreneurs, and thinkers. Please join me at thebillwaltonshow.com to explore what's true, what's right, and what's next.